0: We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. quarter million dollars of credit card debt. I still
1: remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane, CEO of Harmon Brothers. And I'm joined today by Shannon Klingman, the inventor and CEO of Lumi Deodorant. Welcome, Shannon.
1: Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here.
0: We are excited to have you. Let's get started, Shannon, with a um, brief introduction. You haven't always been an entrepreneur and you haven't always been a deodorant inventor. Um, What's your background?
1: So I, I would say that I've always been a problem solver, though. So so ever since I was a little girl, my mom always said that I was the one with the best eyes. I could always uh, find a way or something that was missing. Um, I was a go-getter. I didn't really understand the definition of can't do uh, and just saw everything as possible. And that's something that my mom has said about me since I was a really little girl that I didn't give up easily. And so, when I was in high school, I was really active socially, but my grades weren't the best. And I graduated from high school, I would say, with an A plus in uh, social outlook. You know, I was the, uh, you know, I was on the pom pom squad. Yep. I was in every choir, and I probably had like a, a C plus average when I graduated. So C's I, get
0: degrees. Hey,
1: you know, and I, but I was equipped. You know, I. I felt like I was pretty street smart, and I was I was fearless, and so I went to a community college for my first two years of school and just slayed it. Got a 4.0, did really great, had very supportive um, instructors and professors, and then transferred to the University of Michigan in Dearborn, where I then finished up um my uh, four-year degree and then applied to medical school as a junior. Went to Wayne State University School of Medicine in Detroit and graduated. You know, I did okay. I did well in med school and then uh, did a residency in OBGYN and that's a four-year program.
0: I love how modest you are about like, (laughs) oh, I, I just did okay in med school. Like, like a tiny percentage of the population even can get into med yeah. school.
1: <laughs> you know, I was I was fortunate. I, I had a lot of really great people that were put in my path that encouraged me and helped pave the way. But I was still the one that had my, you know, my butt in the seat and turning back the covers at 5 a.m. studying. And so it was... Uh, It it took a lot of um, determination to get through that, but I, um, I did well and I really enjoyed it. I was raised by an RN. My mom was a labor and delivery nurse, so I heard labor and delivery stories over the dinner table every single night, so I was very comfortable with that line of discussion. I wasn't afraid of it. And so I think that's why OBGYN just came so naturally to me.
0: And that's probably why you were attracted to Harmon Brothers because you can have <laughs> awkward conversations at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So for context for our listeners, most of our listeners probably know that Lumi, Lumi Deodorant um, and Harmon Brothers did a campaign together a few months ago. Um, for those who are not aware of the campaign, um, it, let, let's share a couple of the of the stats of where it's at right now. I think we're up to like what thirty eight million views mm-hmm. on the campaign.
1: Yeah, I think it might even be higher than that now. It's yeah. fantastic. Yes, yeah.
0: So we, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, about the campaign, but I want to stay on. I want to stay on your backstory for a few minutes. So, you came out of med school, you became an OBGYN. How long did that practice last?
1: Uh, So, I practiced for about 10 years um, before my husband and I decided that he's also an OBGYN. And we decided that being a part of two busy practices, up in the morning, having to round, up late, unpredictable schedules, delivering babies in the middle of the night, that something just had to give. And after the birth of my second child, uh, I quickly uh, conceived again with our third child, and we knew at that point that to have two babies 13 months apart and a young child in elementary school, that I probably just needed to be home. That's where my heart was at. I loved feathering my nest. I am a gardener, a bread baker. I love just making a home. I'm a homebody. We don't do too many exciting things outside our own four walls. We kind of make our own fun, and so I was a stay home mom for uh seven years and i still consider myself a stay-home mom to some degree uh, just a mom who runs a business <laughs> out of a home office but um yeah so it was about let's see our daughter julia who's now 12 was five months old at the time okay uh where we decided that an idea that i had had um years ago for a deodorant product was something that was really weighing heavy on my mind. And I felt like this was a winner. And it was not not just because I saw that there was a void in the market, it was much bigger than that. It was that I knew that there were women that were going to their OBGYN with a concern of odor. And it would get brought up if they had, like were trying to conceive, or they had a, a new relationship that they were in, or they for some reason just noticed from time to time that they had a shift in a perception of odor, that if they were going to their doctor, they were leaving with an antibiotic and a diagnosis with something called bacterial vaginosis. And I really felt it was a garbage diagnosis. It's really subjective. Patients come to the office looking for a solution. Doctors want to give them one. And I think, just check the first three boxes right there. Problem, needing a solution. Doctors want to give them one. And they do have a little bit of odor. But then all the tests that we, um, that we do to confirm a diagnosis of BV are really subjective, meaning it's not an exact science. So with that suspicion in mind, I there was i went to my colleagues and i said do you guys ever feel like we're overcalling this or that this isn't really an internal process this is all an external process and it was like just go see the next 15 patients you know you've got a full office and just keep right. going
0: Right. Now, on top of that, aren't there dangers in overprescribing antibiotics? Doesn't the body build up a resistance towards those?
1: Yeah, it is possible. And also it increases the risk for yeast infections. And even more importantly, is the risk to the psyche. You know, once you've been given a diagnosis that says you've got something wrong with you, the next time you notice that odor again, you're far more, you know, you're likely to say it's back that, that problem didn't go away. It must be me. And it mm-hmm. undermines your confidence and makes you feel a little in, more insecure. And so that's what bothered me the most. And it was when my husband and I were trying to get pregnant um, with our daughter, Julia, who was five months old at the time when we started really moving forward on this project. And she's now 12, to give you an idea of how mm-hmm. long this has taken. I was in the office the next day and you know hadn't showered. And I'm in the bathroom and I go to sit down, like you know how women do. And I noticed that odor that women complain of. And I realized that this is, I don't have BV. I know I don't. Um, And it was an external odor. And I went to my husband and I said, listen to this. BV is a garbage diagnosis. I have had this suspicion. It's far overdiagnosed. And I think that women are being, their confidence is undermined. And the solutions come with a diagnosis that they don't even have. So now they're insecure about it the next time it happens again. And it will, because a lot of things happen in a woman's body below the belt. So let's develop a product. And we just started like coming up with, here's the concept. This is what I think is will do the trick. Started creating things in our kitchen and thought, this works, and I had my sister try it, and my sister said, this product works so amazingly well, it makes my private parts smell like the back of my hand, like nothing. So I knew we were onto something because she's brutally honest. She would tell me if it wasn't working. So we hired an outside lab to to prove our hypothesis, which was very expensive, very pricey for us. But it was something that I felt was necessary as like a litmus test to say, let's invest in this and then we'll know whether this has legs or not. So we came up with the, uh, the scenario, the way we were gonna test it, and what it demonstrated was that the odors that are formed on the outside of a woman's body when she's exposed to bodily fluids like blood and semen are identical to the odor molecules that are formed when she has bacterial vaginosis. So if it smells exactly the same, and then they look it up online, or they talk to their their doctor about it, that's like the gateway to then it must be BV, right? So it smells like that, that's the same type of symptomatology. um, But it was an external process. The risk that we took was that if that odor wasn't identical, and we just got a bunch of different odor molecules, and we couldn't isolate it. But what was so beautiful about it, was that when they reported the results to us, they said, here's what we have with BV, trimethylamine. And here's what we have with your scenario, with uh, bacteria that are commonly found in the GI tract, because everything's kind of close together on a human body down there. And then bodily fluids, blood, and semen, we had one odor peak, and it was trimethylamine. And they said, do you want to publish this? This is really remarkable. And then when they applied Lumi and... And, and Lumi entered into that equation, that gas peak was eliminated. So we knew we had something that was really effective, safe to use, and eliminated that odor concern that uh, many women were having from time to time.
0: And how long was that? You, you just described the process of the invention and the mm-hmm. testing. How long did that take?
1: That process was about two years. That was pretty quick. Then we decided that before we would ever launch it or try to partner with somebody, we needed to have some protection around the intellectual property. So we seeked out a patent writer.
0: But protecting that invention was a key part for the future of your company, right? It
1: was key because I felt then anybody could do it and nobody had talked about it like I was talking about it before. In fact, when I would approach my colleagues about it, they were a little bit disbelieving or like, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? Like, that's just dumb. It's so simple. You know, your solution is so easy. Why didn't I think of that? But sometimes the best solutions are the easiest. They're sitting right in front of us. They usually are, right? Yeah, right.
0: Okay, throughout that process, or maybe we can even broaden the process beyond just the invention, but from getting to the genesis of Lumi to where you're at today, Mm -hmm. what is the number one greatest obstacle that you had to overcome?
1: So you've heard the, the line where inventions are... 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. So the inspiration piece was intact. We knew we had a viable uh, uh, product idea. At that point, it was still just an invention and understanding how to connect the dots. So I got involved with different people that were the wrong people along the way who wanted, you know, would very quickly take your money uh, and help you out. Uh, But then they ended up not being the best partners for us. Uh, and it took me some time to wise up on how to choose the best partners. And what I kept thinking along the way is, theres I, I think for the first time I felt like this was something I wasn't going to be able to do on my own, and I really needed to enlist someone else who knew how to do it better than me. And I did that two times along the way, and both times I was wrong. And it ended up costing us time and money. And when I eventually realized that I can do this without them, and I don't need to be afraid of the manufacturing process and distribution and uh, the, the cosmetic formulation piece of it, that I can do this, that things really started to rev up for us. Uh, we had filed our first patent, and we'd received two rejections. And I felt like our patent writer was saying, no, there's still hope here. I can work around these rejections. And once you have this, this is an invention like nothing else I've ever heard of before. And he worked for Kimberly Clark for over 20 years. So I think this gentleman knew what he was talking about. He said, I can can spot a winner and this is one. So we're not going to give up on this. And the decision to... Uh, You know, you end up investing a lot of your time, which is easy, but then it's very, it's costly financially and deciding how much of a risk we were going to take in order to do it. And so, again, the reliance on someone else to do it for you is where I think a lot of people might make a mistake because it's really all in your own your own heart. It's your, grit, it's your, your own drive. gut. It's yeah. your gut that is going to drive that bus. But you're insecure because you've never done it before. And they use terms you've never heard of and you don't speak the language and you're the most ignorant one in the room. And I just realized that I needed to be asking a lot of questions and being a really good listener, two ears, one mouth, and let people teach me the language so that I'm better equipped the next time. We, we got our first patent in March of 2014. But after we got that final rejection in December time, um, my husband and I um, had our fourth child. Her name is Amy. And she lived two days. And it was an incredibly traumatic experience for me and my family. And I really felt like, "Um, I think this is going to end here. Um, We'd gotten our, our, like, a final rejection from from the USPTO office. And I didn't. I was having a hard enough time just doing my activities of daily living and maintaining what was going on in my own four walls. And I wasn't even sure I wanted to live, to be honest. I was so devastated by losing her. And I really just wanted, she was um, two days old. She was full term and we knew that she had down syndrome, but she had a normal heart. She was well-grown. We had no reason to believe that we wouldn't raise her and, uh, So it came as a tremendous shock to me. And I know to hear that, you might think, well, she had Down syndrome, so there's your explanation. But I was the only one that was really worried that things weren't going to go well. My doctors were telling me that I had no reason to be concerned and that I was the least high risk of all of their patients and everything was going to be fine and I was worrying for nothing. And so then to lose her, I felt like I maybe didn't fight hard enough for her. And I was doing a pretty good job of beating myself up and blaming myself for that. So that when we got our final rejection for our our patent, my patent writer, Jeff Lindsay, contacted me and said, you know, we got a final rejection. And uh, what do you want me to do now? And so how do you want to proceed? And I said, I I just want to be done. Um, I don't have it in me. In fact... It even didn't matter to me.
0: How, how, how close was so the that? Timing was on so those we lost events?
1: So Amy was born in October of 2013, and this was in December of 2013, where we got our final so you're rejection. Still right in the middle oh, of the, we were it, just right, right in th- the middle of the grieving mm-hmm. process.
0: The trauma is still very...
1: Yeah, two months. I mean, it, it took me a long time. I'm still not over it. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but it was uh, it was in the thick of it at that point. And I thought the right answer was to just surrender. And I was surprised that that was my reaction because I f- felt like I believed in it so much. But it was just another rug that had gotten pulled out from underneath us. We'd had people that had promised us things, taken our money, not delivered it, and now the patent's not going through, and maybe this just isn't going to happen. And I, my, my outlook was really grim, but it was the least of my worries. I mean, Lumi wasn't even Lumi at that point. You know, I was. It was just this product and. We used to call it the product. You know, are we ever going to do the product? Where are we at with the product? Where are you at with that product you're doing? You know, people would talk to us about it that way, too. And so I told Jeff that I think I just want to be done. I said, I know that's a tough sentence to hear, but I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me. You know, my kids still want me to get up in the morning and make them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the dog still has to be let out and the laundry still has to be done. And all I want to do is go crawl in a hole, you know. It hurt to breathe. So taking on a project like this was just something I couldn't envision myself doing at that time. So he said, okay, and then called me back very shortly after that, and it may have even been in the same day, and he said, Shannon, you know, I, with all due respect, I've written a lot of patents. I've done a lot of patent work for companies over the years, and I have never seen more grit, more gut, I've never seen a more promising product idea from a one-off inventor who's funded this process, who's valued research, and has proven her concept through science like you. And so I'm going to go ahead and file this, and I'm going I'm to file the appeal, and I'm going to do this for you pro bono. You don't need to worry about paying, paying me. Um, I want to be a part of this because I believe in it, and I think we can do this. And then in March of that following year, we got our first patent and we received claims. And I remember I was on the phone with the patent officer at the time and they were asking me questions and clarification. And they said, well, congratulations, I think we're going to go ahead and award this. And wow. So now I had a really big decision to make. I saw Lumi as I was not going to let my daughter stand for her mother stopping you know and i i i thought i need to pour all of this grief and hurt into protecting my family into growing this company and launching it and i can't let you know my grief just end with so my children would remember me as like before amy was born and uh-huh. then after amy was born cuz that's the direction that it was going they knew me as like this really fun outgoing mom who was up for anything who did a lot of fun things within you know just at home a lot of fun activities, and uh, I think I was a good mom. But I saw that person slipping away, and I made a decision that I was going to claw my way back, and I wasn't going to let that happen. And so that's what I did. And I started making just I started making phone calls, cold calling manufacturers, learning about the process, fulfillment companies. Then reached out to my sister who had you know worked in uh, for Target for many, many years and said, can you help me do this? You know, and yes. And that was her answer. And so we just kept fighting. And uh, once um, we were able to get our first patent, that really poured a lot of gas on the fire for me, where I felt like now we're protected, it had more promise. And I was able to find a manufacturer that I trusted. And they walked me through the process. And it costs us a lot financially. We emptied out all of our 401ks. We took out home equity lines of credit and really risked everything. Um, and there's people who say, would say that was crazy, but it was really the only way to do it. You, we were all in at that point.
0: Okay. So um, so we're now in January of, of 2015. And, um, and at this point, you've decided to pour your focus in. Mm-hmm. How did you go from, okay, now it's time. I'm ready. I'm committed to this. Yeah. How did you get from that point to where you're at today?
1: Well, I I think that I got very bold about having conversations about this might be my first rodeo, but I'm not messing around and high numbers don't scare me and I'm going to figure this out. So my husband and I basically put pen to paper, decided how much of our equity in our home and how, what can we liquidate? And I reached out to... Many, many manufacturers toured many facilities um, in the Midwest and looked at, um, you know, what it would cost us to do our first run and what that was going to entail. And we just risked it. We just figured out how to get the cash and we spent it and we did our first run and we found a manufacturing company to work with um, and we just baby stepped our way through it. Knowing that I'm sure we messed up. I'm sure we didn't do things perfectly. I look back and I think of mistakes that we made. But you know what? It, it got us to where we were in that first year where um, we started off slow. We spent a lot of time on social media, just organically. I wrote all the blog articles that are on our website, did all the product descriptions, um, hired really great people to work for me as contractors, really small team. My sister was right by my side, cheerleading me, but with all the business experience that she had and what I lacked, helping me with process. Because and your I,
0: two sisters are still involved to this yeah, day, yeah, right?
1: Yeah my, yeah, my sister Jennifer is... Um, our uh, chief administrative officer and my sister Maya is our director of customer service. And having, having Jennifer at that point, Maya hadn't, hadn't joined our team yet, but having Jennifer by my side, she kind of squelched my fears and um, made me feel, cause she was like, Holy mackerel, we're going to do this. You know, where we are like high five in each other with every, we celebrated all the little successes along the way. And we, we, it you know we it's only been 18 months but it literally feels like it's been five years probably since we launched. It's just so much has happened in the last 18 months. Um. But we aligned ourselves with really great people. We found a web developer that is also a photographer and a videographer, so he could wear a lot of hats for our company. And he was a tremendous encourager, supporter of the, the idea and the product. And then me, ultimately, where he's like, man, you give me hope that like all my dreams can come true, too. You just have to keep moving forward and keep digging deeper and be willing to take risk. So I think people found it inspiring, and they wanted to tag along and be a part of it. Um, and we aligned ourselves with great people and that's really been the secret to my success i mean i i think that i've done an okay job but it's you've really You've done a more... fantastic <laughs> job <laughs> thank you but it's really more about the people that you align yourself with that make you look really good
0: yeah you you've done an amazing job so it's gone beyond the point where okay i know it's a great product mm-hmm. but now i have
1: how do i t- how do i get all everybody me
0: telling me it's a great product mm-hmm. this is proven now yeah. how do i get it out to the masses
1: right and not to mention one of the biggest parts and i think sometimes you forget how hard it was like it's kind of like childbirth like i may not be really emphatically telling you how hard it really was but it was very hard it was it consumed about 90% of my time i'd be up in the middle of the night writing blogs while my children are sleeping because that's when i had p- quiet time and I was uh, making a lot of sacrifices, as was my family, on the behalf of Lumi so that we could, ki- you know, ki- keep this going and not fail. You know, the fear of failure is really what drives you. And so I knew it was a great product. Other people were telling us that it was a great product. But we went ahead and did some clinical testing, which is really impressive. Uh, I was kind of blown away. I'm impressed with it myself. I always knew it worked great. But we I looked around and thought, who does all this stuff for, like, Procter & Gamble and Unilever? And that's who I want to hire because I don't want just someone off lab telling me Mm -hmm. oh yeah you guys are great you know but i want someone who's like tested brands like secret and dove to tell me that we're great right so we hired princeton consumer research to do clinical testing for us and as an aluminum free deodorant they were not optimistic and when we got the report back from uh barry who's the owner and the the director of the uh all their program there he emailed me personally on a sunday and said you really have something here. I have tested hundreds of aluminum-free products, and there is not one that I can say that's probably ever performed or will perform as well as you. You're right up there with aluminum-containing products in terms of odor control. Congratulations, you that's know? That's amazing. Yeah, so you, then you're like, I mean, I think I actually did a cartwheel. I was so happy. We celebrated and screamed in our home, and I thought, this is it. Now it's gonna get easier. And boy, were we wrong. <laughs> It really was just the beginning. We now had this really great power claim that we had, you know, at that time it was 48 hours of proven odor control. And what Barry said to me was, your odor control was so good at 48, you probably could have gotten 72 and maybe even 96. That's how good it was.
0: Wow, that's so, that, that's phenomenal.
1: So that just really, you know, just gave us a big shot in the arm too. So now we had that awesome power claim that we could help, we could share on social media um, as well to make people believe in the product because it was proven. So
0: now I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs who reach that point where, okay, I have a I have a great product and I've proven that it's great, and I've had several people around me validate that it's great. And now I just need to get the masses to mm-hmm. understand about that. And I've heard some entrepreneurs describe that feeling and that experience as kind of like, I'm standing on a stage and I'm shouting this message,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but no one's hearing. No, no one's paying attention. Did yeah. you have any feeling like that?
1: Uh, no, I, I would say that for me, the, the, like, at that point with Lumi, it was like being in love. It was all I thought about. I was so infatuated with this product and all the. You know what we should do? We should do this, and then I should do this and that. That I was tireless. I like rode this wave of really high energy that just endured. Mm-hmm. And then I would say that the the most difficult challenge for me was then, you know, as soon as you start putting yourself out there, no matter what, so, there are critics and they are cruel. Gonna oh, hate. Man, oh, the haters gonna hate. They hate you. They hate your mother. They think you're ugly. They hate your hair, you're too thin, you're too fat, you know, your teeth, whatever, right? They're going to find something to hate and pick those scabs. And when you're an insecure entrepreneur, because you're so vulnerable, you're risking everything, you start to think, you know, it starts to creep in. And you you have to get a thick skin really quickly. And I would say that the number one challenge for me was the psychological game, staying psychologically strong. Staying on target with what your mission is and what you believe that this product is capable of, and just letting those negative comments roll off, and trying to avoid them as much as possible. <laughs> it's,
0: it's like you're giving your gift to the world, mm-hmm. and then when those haters hate, yes, it feels like that gift is kind of being thrown back in your right, face.
1: Right, quickly, Harmon Brothers became just a really big fan. And incredibly encouraging and supportive. You were excellent listeners. You listened to the story. You understood it. You tried the product. You went through the diligence of that. And then when you guys came back and said, we'd love to work with you, I felt like I won the lottery. It was like if, my, if it was up to my mom, you guys would have worked with us. No problem, right? <laughs> but like, we, that I was actually able to get my company to a point where, um, where the Harmon Brothers saw us as a valuable partner for them.
0: That's awesome. I love it when we have the opportunity to find um, that type of alignment where Mm -hmm. we can put our passion behind a project in the same way that you as a founder have poured your passion into it. That's when we see really amazing results. Uh, Shannon, we've got some goodies here for you. Okay. We have a copy of our book, From Poop to Gold. Um, we've got a thank you card, and then we've got some little goodies from some of our other clients.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, and thank you so much for sharing your story.
1: Thank you for having me. I feel really honored to be here today.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. If you're interested in a copy of our book, you can find it at harmanbrothersbook.com. And that's it for today. We'll see you on the next one.